Good morning, Misfits. You are tuning in to episode nine of the Misfit Project. I am your host, Drew Crandall. As always, across from the table, Ted. Ted, how are you? Doing great, man. Kind of run down a bit from all this work we've been doing. Where but, have um, we been? What's been going on? Man, moving into... No episode into, last week. No, no episode last week. We've been pretty uh, pretty right out straight, as we say here in Maine. Uh, we moved into a new space, a new facility. Uh, we've been putting together a new studio space. So you're hearing us live from the new studio right now. Got microphones on swing arms. We got a hipster table and wall behind us. It's a hipster table because people that didn't know how to make it made it. That's true. But it's a hipster wall because it looks really cool like it'd be in a coffee shop or yeah. something. Yeah, for sure. And we did it. We didn't know if we were going to be able to do it, but we tried and, and it worked. And it happened. Yeah, it, it happened. Did. So obviously um, for our dedicated listeners that were waiting for an episode last week, there was no episode last week. And it was, as Ted said, because we were building our brand new facility. Um, but now this makes it a lot easier for us to put stuff out regularly. We're not saying like, whose house are we going to? What are we doing? Yeah. How are we going to figure this out? So we don't we have to worry stuff about out. dog fights. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Snow falling off my roof. Yeah. All that good stuff. So it allows us to have it done more regularly and um, maybe even sound a little cooler. Let's hope. Let's hope. Let's hope. Um and there's actually some uh, really great health lessons from the move. Uh, <laughs> I got knocked right out of my routine in a very big way. Big and time. day after day after day noticed a lot of difference in my mental acuity, um, you know, how my stomach was handling, you know, different food and stuff like that. And it was really like a testament to um, all of this stuff that I've, you know, been working on for for the last few years, how well it works and then how quickly it can go. Derail. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and especially getting late into those long days, man. We'd hit that wall where it's just my brain doesn't work anymore. Uh, my body doesn't want to work anymore. Right. Yeah. And for me, the biggest piece, I think, was um, being so stressed out about what was going on the next day, but being so tired that I would go home and I would essentially try to eat something and get right in bed. And my mind would race. I'd fall asleep. I'd wake up thinking about building something, some table, some whatever. Um, I'd lay awake a bunch. I'd wake up earlier than I wanted to. Um, and not having that that morning routine and then that evening routine like completely changed my mental state. Um, so one thing that that's a positive takeaway from that is is I um far from perfect in any of those areas, but I put in a decent amount of work in each one. Um, and I really find that like making an effort in each category is really important as opposed to trying to be perfect in one spot. I find that's, that's really important. And, and a lot of people, um, this sort of segues a little bit into the episode, you know, we're calling the episode momentum because you know, it's the new year and there's a lot of buzz every year about what's your resolution, what do you want to change, and and I'm not of the mind that that's a bad thing. Um, I think it's great that people take a real look at what's going on with their lives, but at the same time, I'm not the biggest fan of, you know, the 30-day challenge yeah, or whatever right. to essentially what a lot of people do is they restrict 
themselves from something that they really want to do and then they fly right back into it and sometimes with so much intensity that they end up worse than they were prior to the 30 days within not that much time um so what we're looking for you know with this momentum is creating scenarios where you guys use some of the suggestions we're going to have in this episode to get a head start on trying to improve a certain category that you're looking for. And I find it really important to, you know, jot down some notes on some goals in the short term. And I find that a two week period, I'm not really sure what it is, um, but I find that a two week period is that like beginning stage of starting to create some sort of habit. Um, so a lot of the stuff that we're going to talk about, a lot of the little like challenges that we have for you guys in each category are based on a two week period. Um, so jumping right into the episode now, we, we've created two week challenges for each category categories being tribes, rest, mind, fuel, movement, and then down at the end, the personalization, um, the question that I assume I'm going to get is, can I do multiple challenges at once? Should I do all of them? Should I do them in order? Um, the answer is yes and no to each one. So as you listen, you'll realize that certain ones could be a little bit more challenging with others at the exact same time. Um, others would go really well together. Um, do you put them in order? Not necessarily. When, when you listen to this, you want to listen to, oh, okay, I kind of got that down already, you know, based on that first episode where we talked about it, or that's the one that I've been struggling with a little bit more. So maybe that's what the one that I need to jump into. Um, this is definitely a choose your own adventure um, type situation. You can do all of them. You can do them in order. You can mix them up. You can do more than one at the same time, but don't overwhelm yourself. Don't try to make too much of a change so that once the two weeks is over, you have this huge sigh of relief. You want it to be the exact opposite. You want to almost not even notice that you're doing it anymore because it's becoming second nature. Right. Small and gradual. So here we are. Um, The the first one is the tribes two week challenge. And that is 14 consecutive days of walking outside with someone or some group of people that you enjoy personally. And hopefully they enjoy you back in this in that direction, <laughs> and you're both getting this in. Um, this is rain or shine. This is we are heading back into a negative 18 degree day here. I believe Saturday. Yeah, after the snow finishes falling. Um, this is rain or shine. This is temperature or no temperature. You know, good or bad. Um, no matter what. 14 days consecutive walking outside with someone you enjoy. And the goal is to walk further either in time or distance each consecutive day. So what we're trying to do is create again, momentum. Um, if the first day is just a quick walk outside on your lunch break, you know, with a coworker, that's perfectly fine. But what we're looking for here in, in real quick pause, the reason it's, um, time or, or duration or distance is because you might go somewhere where it would take a lot longer to walk a longer distance. And we're not trying necessarily to, to turn it into like a fitness challenge or anything like that. So if you're walking the same path every day, you could just, you know, walk a little bit further each time. But if you go somewhere where, you know, there are hills or the terrain's a little bit different, 
it's perfectly fine to just say, okay, I walked for 30 minutes yesterday. We're going to walk for, you know, you can call it 31, you can call it 40, right. just know that you're supposed to walk a little bit longer or further the following day. And a lot of these, I don't want to get too deep back into the, the explanation behind them and repeat myself from a previous podcast. So if you're listening to this and you're like, what is this? Why would I want to do this? Circle back to that tribes podcast. I believe that is episode two, episode two. Um, so episode two of the podcast, we talk all about why you would want to be outside, why you would want to be in the sunshine, why you would want to be spending time with people that you enjoy. Um, there's actually some really staggering, uh, exciting science behind all of that. So if you haven't listened to that episode yet, um, head back to episode two and check that out. So essentially, I mean, we're talking about getting outside, going for a walk, not that complicated. Um, but as we learned in episode two, could have some really great benefits to it. Yeah. So um, not the most complicated thing in the world, but something that uh, I think could make a, a, a real change for people. And the way that this episode is going to work is as we get down to personalization, we're going to provide a test retest example for those science minds out there to how you can measure whether this is doing something for you. Um, and that way you can know, you know, I started out with this set of data, these set of numbers, you know, this, you know, whether it's HRV or subjective well-being, whatever it is, I started out here and I ended here. So you can prove to yourself that you're actually making a change. Um, and I, I think you will on an intuitive level, but having those numbers right in front of you is kind of nice as well. Yeah, that personalization piece is super important too because we're kind of speaking in, in broad strokes here. Exactly. And, you know, certain things aren't going to be for everybody. Walking outside might be for everybody. Yeah. Depending on your situation. But having that kind of mental check saying, you know, how do I feel now versus how I feel, you know, two weeks down the road is going to be super important for a lot of the stuff that we're talking about. Absolutely. And if you're, you know... I find that people that want to be in urban areas a lot of times are, and your version of this could be just walking down the street. Right. And that's perfectly fine. We talked about the benefits of that, you know, are so great that we're not going to talk about as much about maybe the pollution or any of those things. We slowly, like we said in that podcast, want you to make your way towards the park at least. Um, and then maybe at some point you take a drive outside of the city, um, but you can prove to yourself that this can be a really big help, really big piece of your life um, just by starting in an area that you're very comfortable with. Yep. So moving on to rest, um, this is actually one that um, if you've messaged me directly about the Misfit Project Sleep Reset, um, I wanted to wait for this episode to put this out there and we will create a PDF or at least just a version of the show notes where this stuff is listed out for you guys. So it would it'd be great to take notes right now, um, but we'll list it out for you so you can get there. Um, this reset is something that I've used personally, um, something that I give people that travel a lot for work, something that if you start with me as a health coaching client, this is like almost mandatory right at the beginning, um, just to make sure that we're, um, understanding the point of health coaching is not nutrition coaching. Nutrition coaching is part of health coaching, right. but as we've talked about before, there are so many pieces that we want to try to get in place before we, you know, go after our relationship with food. And if your relationship with food 
is something that you've struggled with for a long time, maybe you do try some of these challenges prior to trying the one that we're going to suggest for nutrition. So in essence, the biggest part of the Misfit Project Sleep Reset is 14 consecutive days of getting in and out of bed at the same exact time. Now, people think that I'm saying you have to fall asleep and wake up at the exact same time. That's not always something that we can choose. Right. If I tried the uh, Misfit Project Sleep Reset with my crazy brain from you know setting up this facility, no chance. <laughs> not going to happen. Um, but I could have potentially gotten in and out of bed at the same time. Right. So we've talked about, again, we can go back to episode number three of the podcast and listen to what my recommendations are for how long you want to sleep. I recommend trying to sleep in multiples of 90 minutes so that we don't wake up too groggy. Um, so if we're going for four sleep cycles, that's six hours um, of actual sleep, which takes anywhere from six and a half to seven hours of time in bed to accomplish. Um, what I think a lot of people should do is the five sleep cycles. That's seven and a half hours of sleep. That's eight to eight and a half hours of time in bed. And then if you are very, very, very serious about your physical or mental performance on a daily basis, uh, that's when we get up into that extra sleep cycle. That's going to be nine hours of sleep. That's nine to 10 hours in bed. Um, and again, you have to personalize this stuff. You have to make sure that it fits your lifestyle, but you also don't want to personalize based on excuses that you're making for yourself. I think that's really important to know like, oh, well, I can't do this. But then you take a really close look at your day and your health and your goals and you say, maybe I can. Maybe right. I can shave this off. Maybe I can move this piece around. A lot of times personalization um, takes a real, you know, you have to take a real hard look at like, do I not want to do this or can I not do this? Right. And, and those can be two different things. So as we move on from getting in and out of bed at the exact same time, 14 consecutive days, that includes weekends. I'm sorry, the Friday and Saturday, or, you know, if you're a younger, you know, if you're a college student or something, the Thursday, um, Thursday, where Thursday. that does not count as a day where you get to change that. Um, and the goal again here is to circle back to the circadian rhythm and how much of an effect that has on our health. And we are trying to get ourselves back into a rhythm here. Um, so the next bullet point we have here is no blue light exposure two hours before bed. The easiest way to do that is to just get the blue blockers. Yeah. It's the easiest thing yeah. you can do. Yes, the night, is it night shade, night shift? Night shift, yeah. Night shift yeah. on your, you know, your Mac laptop. Your um, iPhone, your, your iPhone. Yeah. I don't know anything about PCs or Android. I really don't. I know Flux yeah. is on PC. I think Windows 10 has a feature that does the same thing okay. where it warms the screen after a set time. Yep. And you can still download Flux. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't recommend Flux on a Mac, though. It kind of blows. Yeah. It's not. It's it's pretty clunky. So you can now, you know, go over to your, your notifications and click on that and right above Do Not Disturb is your night shift. So you can try that, but it's it's challenging because, you know, you might be, you know, watching a show or, you know, reading something on your phone or your Kindle or whatever it is or just your lights on because you're reading a book. Um, you got to go to the bathroom where you're going to like close your eyes and go through the dark. Um, I've tried it. 
Yeah. It's a I've fun challenge. To, it's, it's it not can be messy easy. though. It can be very messy. So <laughs> <laughs> the, the thing there, the easiest thing you can do is go get those blue blockers. Um, extra credit for this, you know, that down regulation is circling back to episode three of the podcast and just listening to, you know, how do I really get myself in that right mindset? Because you could definitely throw some blue blockers on and do some stuff that you shouldn't do oh, yeah. prior to bed. Yep. Um, just having the glasses on does not all of a sudden knock you into, you know, this, you know, serenity state. It does help. Um, it does help your body produce melatonin, but we sort of have to work with that. Um, and that's uh, uh, the second wind phenomenon is your body gets confused. Our circadian rhythms, they, they shift based on our genetics, but roughly 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. and then like 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. is the natural circadian rhythm for everyone. It's roughly into that area. Yep. And that's why once we poke back out of that 11 p.m. and get into the midnights and the 1 a.m.s and the 2 a.m.s, that's the second wind and our body's done with the melatonin and it's back to the cortisol. And then that's when the rhythm can get all thrown off. You're essentially telling your body, like we have to stay up. It's mandatory. And our body's like, okay, we'll mobilize what we have to mobilize. We'll go into our sympathetic nervous system, fight or flight. We'll figure this out. There's a reason why you're making me do this. Unfortunately, there isn't always actually a reason. It's just, you know, modern things confusing our biology. So, um, really important there to just sort of understand that once we get into that mindset, any of our activities that we do should be geared towards, you know, winding down. Now on the other end, really, really important to help set this up. And especially if this is going to be giving you like a new bedtime or something, and you're really trying to change something that's not going well, is that sunlight or blue light exposure upon waking. And the reason I throw in the blue light exposure is for the people that cannot get sunlight when they wake up. Yep. So that could be, it's too early. You live somewhere where you're just not going to get that much sunlight. Maybe you do live somewhere that has sunlight and there isn't any on that given day. Um, that's when we would want blue light exposure. And the best thing that you can do is buy an actual blue light talked about it a ton on the podcast. I know I'm just repeating myself a bunch about this, but you can buy those on Amazon fairly cheap. Yep. Um, and then the extra credit there would be that piece of finishing out your morning routine, um, you know, with the water and the, you know, quick little exercise piece and all that all on episode three. Um, this next part will probably surprise some people, but because so many of you will be re truly changing up your routine. We do one to three milligrams of melatonin one hour before bed for the first three to five days. And there's a range built in there because some of you might be, you know, thanking us for putting this out there days one and two, and then you can just kick it. You don't need it. And then some of you might need that full five days to change your circadian rhythm. Um, so that will be one to three milligrams of melatonin one hour before bed for the first three to five days. The next two pieces are, um, going to be for the full 14 days, uh, we're recommended this sleep stack a bunch. It's 500 milligrams of vitamin C, 300 milligrams of magnesium. I prefer that people use Virutech from on it. Um, again, no affiliation there. I just really like the fact that it has the vitamin C, zinc, and selenium in it. It's amazing for your immune system. 
And as a lot of people know in the fitness community, zinc and magnesium um, go very well together um, for a sleep stack. That would just be that ZMA piece. Um, And a lot of times ZMA is going to be more expensive just because of the name that's attached to it. So if you get to do the Virotech, which is very affordable, and the Natural Calm is the magnesium that I recommend, also very affordable. Super cheap, that stuff, yeah. Yeah. It's cheapest. Um, if you do get into the Virotech and that's something that you really like, I do the, they call it stay on it and it's their delivery system. So like monthly subscription. It's the monthly and they take a chunk off and I think the delivery might be free or something like that. And then natural calm is very cheap on Amazon. Yeah. You can get the, the 16 ounce, I think it is, or 32 ounce. 11 or 12 bucks, something like that. Yeah. And you can get it in two packs and all kinds of pieces there. So the take home here is we've got a little bit of a sleep stack there, but we want to go to bed and get out of bed at the same time for two weeks and try to produce that melatonin with the no blue light exposure and try to get that cortisol up to, you know, get those things working um, together once we wake up in the morning. And that, I guess the last piece would be get out of bed at that time. Like actually get out out of of bed. bed. That's a really huge, that's a really huge piece. Um, If we, train our bodies to think that we're, we hang out in bed that that screws with our sleep really bad our bodies are really good at saying oh this is that room this is that temperature this is that light exposure this is what the bed feels like we that's all we do is we just sleep in here okay let's go to sleep but if our body's like we lay down and it's like what's on instagram what's on facebook what's on our email what's on you know the that list is endless for some people the amount of apps you circle through or, you know, you get your laptop out and do email for work or whatever it is. If you do that, it's going to be harder to sleep. And it's also going to be harder to get out of bed because your body's going to be like, okay, I mean, we're just chilling. We're pretty tired, but we'll just hang out here, mess around with our phone. And, you know, there's no way that I can say I'm not guilty of that. I go in droves. Like I go, I'll won't touch my phone, won't do anything. And then the first time that I tried, I know, notice I'll be like three days in where the first thing that I do is check notifications and check work stuff. Open Instagram instantly. Absolutely. Unlock you don't even phone, know why. Open Instagram. You're like, oh, I want to check the weather. Nope. You're yep. not checking weather. That shiny, that icon that everyone hated, and then they found out that it was a scientific thing. <laughs> everyone was like, wow, is that word art from, from Microsoft <laughs> Word from way back in the day? And they were like, no, it's um, the perfect blend of these colors to get your mind to go, I have to click that. <laughs> I have to click that right now. And I can tell you from personal experience, it worked. It works. Yeah. It works well. (laughs) Too well. I hate it. Moving on. uh, We are now on to challenge number three. And this is the mindfulness challenge. Um, I'm going to attempt to explain in detail how the Buddhist four count breathing works. I am not a Buddhist. Um... And every time I hear like a Taoist monk explain it, it just seems so peaceful and right. I don't think I can accomplish that. But what I can do is explain what it is. Um, So what we're looking for here is 14 consecutive days of Buddhist four count breathing. And this isn't as complicated as as it might sound when I say Buddhist four count breathing. Um, We're going to do it three times per day at the exact same time each day. So that would be the three check-in system that we talked about in episode four of the podcast. 
Um, but this is going to be sort of a mandatory piece for each one. So that would be morning routine. Um, and with the morning routine, um, I know it's sort of counterintuitive, but that morning meditation that we post six days a week on Instagram, that is meant to be part of this. And you can either set your mind up to read it by doing the breathing first, and then maybe you're a little bit more ready to accept the message that's built into that, or maybe you read it and you take that mindset into your breathing. So um, we put that out there and we put the little explanation below and I wish that I could be as eloquent as the like philosophers that wrote the actual quote, but I do my best to find some sort of practical application to put in there. Um, so that's just on our Instagram. I assume that everyone listening to this knows about our Instagram, but if you don't, it's at the misfit dot project. Um, and the misfit dot project dot project. And most of the mornings you'll see a quote up there and there's a little write up below on, on how we want you to, um, maybe apply it to, to what's going on. Um, you know, with the podcast or with, you know, the world or with the new year or anything like that. So 14 consecutive days, three times per day at the exact same time, super easy with the technology to just set three alarms. Yep. Number one, number two, number three, you're good to go. So here, here's what we're trying to achieve. We want to be in a quiet area where we can stand tall or sit tall. And what I mean by that is if you draw a line through your spine, um, we want to make that line as long as we can. So if I'm sitting, you know, in a chair or up against a wall or I'm standing, I want you know, a nice straight line from my sacrum up to my, up through my shoulder blades. And I personally find that sitting kind of like Indian style, but then propping myself up against something is the easiest way for me to maintain that without feeling like I have to work towards it. You have pretty mobile hips though. I do. For somebody like me, well, sitting Indian style does not actually sit friendly. So my this is funny. So I'm, I'm hypermobile everywhere other than my glutes and low back in Indian style. Like that pigeon position is actually the hardest position for me to get into. Yeah. I'm actually like an F out of a through F on that scale when I go to like the physical therapist. Uh -huh. So it is harder for me, but because my hips are mobile, I can push my knees out a little further. Yeah. It's not that like heel that one. I don't remember what it's called as a Lotus. You put your heel on your inner thigh, but you do it on both legs. So your legs are literally like up, in. Yeah. I never bothered figuring out what the name of that was because there's no chance in hell that I could ever do I it. I can't either. Yeah. I can't either at all. Um, but if you can get in something resembling that, I find that nice. And then the other one that I'll do if I'm sitting on the floor is I'll just do the seated straddle. So I'll put my, um, I'm trying to explain this. I know this is an audio podcast, but like put your legs out as wide as you can while it's still comfortable. And then that actually helps you um, I sit up against a couch on the arm of the couch so I can put um, my tailbone up against the couch and then sit tall leaning up against it. How would you feel about maybe like a straddle position or like sitting with your shins on the floor, like sitting back on your heels? You would want to be able to make it the five minutes without having to focus on how that feels. Yep. You want to be really comfortable. And the goal would be to become more comfortable in this position, but I want people to start with a little bit of momentum already. Sure. Yep. So make sure that you're sitting tall, but I personally find that my posture is not good enough to do that yet without leaning against something. Yeah. Um, 
but I do notice a difference when I, when I do my breathing exercises, when I am sitting tall versus, um, I actually, and this is going to sound weird, but I used to do it on the toilet, like with my pants on, um, because I could hide from the dogs. <laughs> Bathroom's the only place where the dogs won't bother me. So that was, that's the place where I used to do all of my, now I like, will go in the basement or go somewhere else. As I've gotten a little bit better at it, I don't mind the dogs like walking around. But when I first started, it was really challenging. So quiet area, stand or sit tall, use something to prop you up if need be. The first step is going to be pressing the, the, your tongue to the roof of your mouth. Um, and that sort of answers the question and insinuates that you would be breathing through your nose the entire time. Um, all breathing aims to fill the area three inches below your belly button. Um, the Taoist monks say three fingers below your belly button. So they actually do the, the thing and it looks super monk like when they put their three fingers together and then they put it below their belly button. Um, so the easiest way to practice this before you get started is just to put your hand in that area and try to push it out with your breathing. Um, and, and they teach this in yoga a lot by having someone breathe through their mouth and then breathe through a straw. And, and you'll notice that when your breathing is a little bit more shallow, you can breathe through your stomach, which is where we want to go. We don't want to breathe up into the chest. Um, so you can play around with this a little bit and you'll actually notice a difference, um, just in how much air you can actually get in because the way that, like the way that Wim Hof teaches it, he says, um, belly, chest, head. You're trying to fill, fill from that, the bottom yeah, up, fill from the bottom up, fill that whole cavity. And you'll find that you actually can breathe in a lot more. And that could be important for a ton of different applications, whether it's actually, you know, during exercise or it's actually during, you know, a point where you're trying to oxygenate your blood, like with a Wim Hof breathing or something like this, where you're doing the four count breathing. So once we've done that quick recap, again, quiet area, stand or sit tall, use something to prop you up, press your tongue to the roof of your mouth. All breathing aims to fill a few inches below the belly button. You're going to inhale through the nose for a count of four. And don't worry about being exact with this. The counting is actually really important because it can help occupy your mind while you're trying to do something meditative. Keeps so you focused on the breathing rather than the thousand thoughts that are running through your head. Exactly. Yeah. So we're going to inhale through the nose for a four count. We're going to hold that in nice and full for a two count. We're going to exhale for a four count. And then we're going to hold with the exhale for a two count. So it's four, two, four, two. Inhale for four, hold for two. Exhale for four, hold for two. And that's it. You just repeat that. They're the, the Taoist monks who literally spend years not being able to talk just doing these breathing exercises. Um, we're asking for five minutes. Um, when you first start, you do wonder when the five minutes is going to end. Um, only four or five rounds in, I was surprised when it ended. And that's where you're finding yourself, sort of losing yourself a little bit in, in how this works. Um, the Taoist monks talk about how their minds wander while they're doing it. Right. There's this type a personality style of I'm not good at this. So I'm not going to do it, um, is essentially only going to stop you from trying, right? Your right. mind will wander a little bit in the whole point of the counting and the breathing. There are physiological benefits to all of this. It's good to stop. It's good to, you know, get some oxygen into your body. It's good to be in a quiet space. Um, 
but the point of the counting and the breathing for the most part is to get your 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 body into that that rest and digest that place where you want to be and give yourself a break when people ask about that power nap all the time well how does that work if i'm not getting a sleep cycle Dude, you're giving your body, you're giving your mind a break. You're getting, you're getting some rest. Yeah, from, from you're giving, you're, you're, you're having a little bit of a break there, and that's just so incredibly important. So again, it, it's, it's, it's one of those things where you want to make sure that as you once again inhale for four, hold for two, exhale for four, hold for two, and repeat for five minutes, that your mind will wander. And the only step, instead of kicking yourself and saying I don't like this or I'm not good at it is inhaling for four, right. holding for two. Yeah, I listened to this pretty awesome book called The Buddha Walks Into a Bar, and the way that the author kind of frames this type of exercise is when you're sitting trying not to think, thoughts are going to come in. And one good way to just mentally check yourself is just say, I'm thinking. Let the thought pass. Continue on your way. It's not only is it important for this exercise to continue breathing, but it's also, it kind of gives you a frame, a framework to approach the rest of the day where things start getting hectic and you want to give your mind a break. You kind of recognize, Hey, I'm thinking about something different. Breathe, move on. Absolutely. And, and we could, you know, we could recommend an app or we could, you know, have Bill Ellis come in and do his yeah. inhale. <laughs> hold but that will in my opinion allow the mind to wander more because it's not you and i know that there are techniques where they say oh well the navy seals do like a 137 and it works really well but then you hear the buddhist four count works really well and this works really well four seven eight the box breathing exactly. all, all of them yeah they all work because they are all asking you to count and breathe and be in a quiet space and I think, I think that's really important. So if you're obsessing over like, hmm, I'm holding, but my two count seems slower than my four count. If you're comfortable, if you're not like purple or something, like Anthony Kemp uh, during, during training camp, Wim Hof breathing, you're good. Don't worry. Don't obsess over any of these details. The details that you should obsess over are being in a quiet area and doing this for five minutes. And... I, I do want to recommend, and this may seem a little odd, but I do want to recommend five minutes, three times a day for 14 days and sticking with that only. Like get to the point where you're crushing five minutes. Don't go, oh, five minutes wasn't too bad. Let's go six. Let's go seven. Let's go eight. That can be down the road. If this is something that you're finding like, wow, this meditation is really you know, changing things for me and you want to up it to the 10 minutes or the 15 or the 20 at one point in your routine and then it eventually takes over more parts of the day and this becomes a big part of your life, I think that's fantastic. But 14 days, three times five minutes at the exact same time. Get really, really, really good at something before you try to take another piece on. I think, no, I probably shouldn't, I probably shouldn't play favorites here, but I think of all of the challenges that are here on the list, the document that we are both looking at right now, I, I think this one's my favorite. Yeah. Um, and I think it's because I know how it feels to get through that breathing exercise and come out on the other side. Yeah. It's, it's kind of this like, freeness the serenity even if it's a short term like even yeah. if you have to get right back to work and like get right back into shit it's like you feel that at least for a small window of time 
Yeah. And there's, there's so many lessons built into it. Like I am capable of taking control back over. I am capable of dealing with, you know, problems and issues also that it's so necessary in such a hectic world to create these times for yourself. And maybe that's something where, you know, I know like an example for me personally would be the, the nights where I really want to watch TV with my wife and we end up talking in the, in the living room where there's just like the fire and the dogs and the whatever. I come out of that with so much more like mental clarity and gratitude and all that. And I know it, but it's so easy to get pulled into that bright flashing box right, on the right. wall. And when I do things like the breathing exercises three times a day, I'm more inclined to make those choices. And I feel like I'm back in control somewhat. Right. And, and I think that's really helpful for a whole host of reasons. And once again, I'm, I'm kind of repeating myself over and over and over, but that's, I believe episode four mind is episode four. Yes. Of the podcast. So if I'm, you know, sort of alluding to certain things that you feel like I should, you know, elaborate on, that's, that's where that, that would be. I believe it's titled peace of mind. Yes. The next challenge is one that I've mentioned before already. Um, but I believe in so much and it's, it's almost, it's, it's really, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's the, the, the one that we just discussed seems simple, seems very simple, almost like anyone could have thought of it. Um, this one's even more simple, but like so incredibly powerful. Um, before we choose our macronutrient numbers, before we choose this plan that we have to be on, before we unfortunately, as so many people do argue about, this is the way that you should eat. That's the way that you should eat. Um, non-GMO is BS. Non-GMO is the truth, you know, the, the way and the truth, like all of these different pieces. I think people need to understand their own personal relationship with food. People need to understand what they're buying. People need to understand how to cook their own food, how to be able to take control of this situation. Because if you're always a slave to you know, meal services or fast food or, you know, even pre-made meals at the grocery store, whatever it is, you're never going to have an opportunity to have real control over what you're putting in your body. And I, th I really think that's step one, even if you don't eat that healthy, when you do this challenge and that doesn't happen, people always take a closer look at what they're doing and they make some changes. But for, for example's sake, even if you didn't, I think you would make some great strides in understanding, you know, what you're putting in your body. So this is the, this is where I start with all of my health coaching clients for their nutrition. And that's 14 consecutive days of cooking meals from single ingredient sources. And a single ingredient source is exactly what it sounds like. It's just what it is. Yep. Meat, tomato, corn, well, don't, don't eat too much corn. That's, that, that's a bad example. I don't even know why I went there. Broccoli. Broccoli. Potato. Yeah, exactly. So you can combine as many ingredients as you want, but they have to start from just themselves. So when you go to read the label on it, and hopefully it doesn't have a label, but some stuff does, some stuff that's, you know, packaged is, is still a single ingredient. Um, 
if it says more than water and whatever or salt and whatever um, and if you want to get crazy with it you can do literally nothing that's prepackaged you could you could really do it go all out um, so that does mean that you could go out there and make I don't know I'm, I'm sure there's a way to make like a pie from I mean, everything ultimately is made from single ingredients exactly you just have to mix a bunch of them together in a yeah. certain way and it comes out the other side like, I don't know like if you were baking I don't know how you would get yeast without that instant I don't know. I don't know the answer, but I know that it was possible at some point. Maybe. I don't think like Martha Washington was rolling with the active dry yeast that comes in those foil packages that I used to make my amazing gluten-free cinnamon rolls on Christmas. I know I'm not supposed to tell people that, but they're pretty delicious. Yeah, I've had them. Yeah, they're pretty good. So it sounds, it sounds simple, um, but the people that usually fight me on it are i find out are people that don't cook right and they say they can't cook anybody can cook. literally anybody if can you cook. could put a pan on medium and put a little oil in it mm-hmm. and set like a egg or you know what i mean like even if you yeah. break the egg you just take the spatula and right. put it on your plate anyways yeah. it's still good scrambled eggs that's what that is like saying you can't cook is saying you won't cook cooking is easy cooking well Maybe not so much, but right. cooking, yeah, just like taking meat from a raw state and making it cooked in a way that you can eat it and not get sick is not a difficult task. Well, I talked about lessons from the move, lessons from all the construction that we did. Seth, Ted, and I, with some help from some other people, built a lot of stuff that we had no idea how to do. And it was just the fact that we're the three of us are pretty confident people. And we're like, let's try it. Yeah. Let's see what happens. We've got a bunch of tools. Yep. Ted's dad has every tool. Every tool in the ever, world. Like different God. sizes of every tool, different Thank forms God. of every tool. And we did it. And I feel like that that like little bit of confidence, that way of thinking would be very easy if, if you took a little bit of that and gained a little bit of momentum and started kind of simple. And what's good is when you are dealing with single ingredient sources, stuff would be pretty simple. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I know we, we talk a lot of shit about the little computers in our pockets that are, you know, stressing our bodies out like to no end. But at the same time, you have the whole world of information in your pocket for free. If you go to google.com and you type in chicken recipe, you have some chicken, you have a pan, it tells you exactly what to do step by step. A lot of places provide these recipes for free. And when I first started reevaluating my eating, that was something that I did every single night. I would go to cook dinner and I would type in chicken recipe, beef recipe, turkey recipe, whatever it is. It's fun too. It is. You find, you find out, you know, certain spices act a certain way in the pan and they make things either taste good or taste bad and you either don't use them or use them and like, you know, you, you learn a lot. And I know that it's not really the time of year for this, um, but a grill can go a long ways if you're not a great cook or if you're not comfortable in the kitchen a grill can go real. a really long ways um i personally i i do like to cook but as i've gotten into the mode of eating a you know kind of the last big change that i've made in my eating is if i do eat a carb meal it's low fat and that makes the cooking much more challenging like cooking protein without fat is a lot more challenging and one of the easiest ways that I've found to do that is with a grill. Yep. So if you're like, like shrimp is one of the ones that, that I find is like, I don't know, 
279 times better on a grill if it's low fat than in a pan. Like there's something about, you know, and I use like whole wood charcoal, which adds, you know, an element of flavor to that. So, um, if you're willing to freeze your butt off or, you know, just move the grill closer to the door. Yeah. Move the grill closer to the garage or the deck or whatever it is. Um, or get some cold exposure and go stand out on the snow. Boom. Now you're hitting two (laughs) things at once. I love it. So if you have a crazy schedule, some people have some really valid excuses. Oh yeah. Some people, you know, that are, are members at our gym. It's like you listen to what they do and then you just feel like you should never make an excuse ever again with kids and they still train and they still eat pretty damn well and they've got jobs and they've just got all of these different moving pieces and they've learned how to make it work. Um, the two things that I say go really well here are meal prep and fasting. And I mean meal prep as in you make it. Um, that's, that's one piece of this is, is I don't want people going out and buying like paleo meals. I want you to cook all of them. And if you're cooking with someone or you're at least observing, I think that's okay. You're trying to learn something from it, but you should be working towards while you're doing that actually cooking. So meal prep would just be, I know that I really like this meal. I know that I can make it. It's pretty easy. I know that I can stomach it, whatever, three, four days a week. Um, we don't want to get into the mode of eating the same thing every day. Cause that's another way to burn yourself out. That happens yep. a lot on those 30 day challenges. Yep. People eat the same thing. And they're like, if you show me an egg ever again, I'll kill you. <laughs> um, that's one thing that's also tough on the, the keto style diet is people are like steak and eggs is the greatest thing that's ever happened. And then they get two weeks in yeah. and they're like, I don't want that anymore. Yeah. And it's like, you got to get creative. You got to yeah. think about what you can use. A crock pot goes a long way in meal prep because it's a, it's an easy way to prep a lot of meat yeah. at once. And then you just portion it out with a food scale or something yep. like that. And that's actually another way to make uh, lower fat some of like yeah, chicken because it cooks in its own juice exactly. so it stays it stays relatively yeah. juicy and you could use like bone broth or something like yep. that in there that that would that would help a lot yep. um and i say fasting because if you have that crazy schedule that really busy lifestyle becoming fat adapted and not being a slave to the blood sugar spikes and whatnot can actually help a lot if you're really busy and you can't go a few hours without food that presents a problem it presents a problem because time management becomes a huge issue. And it also presents a problem because, you know, if you go back to that fuel podcast episode, we talk so much about what happens when you guys episode five, episode five of the podcast, we talk about what happens with you guys when you get stressed out and the blood sugar is going up and down and up and down and up and down. We, it's really challenging to make the right choice. We've all been there we all know about the binge eating or the, I got off track for a couple of days and I didn't know how to get back. Um, that's why that can be an issue. So if you become a little bit more fat adapted, that fasting isn't as much of an issue. And what you want to stay away from, you know, sort of the asterisk there is do not just slash your calories way down and get your body all stressed out. That's not what we're asking for. Um, Just make those two meals instead of three bigger. It's not that hard to take half of a meal, put it in one half of a meal, put it in the other. And it's like, you sort of got a meal and a half going in each spot. Um, and you know, or maybe you do do three meals later in the day or whatever it is, you know, two meals and a snack. Um, but those, if you do truly have that crazy schedule and you're like, I'd really like to try this, I'd like to reevaluate, but it's kind of a problem. Um, 
that's where that's where you can go. Those are two places to start. So once again, recap. There's not much of a recap with this one. We did talk a bunch about it, but 14 consecutive days of cooking. Cooking is the big word there. Meals from single ingredient sources. And I promise you guys that you will come out the other side feeling much better about your relationship with food and hopefully taking Ted's recommendation of, you know, throwing YouTube up or, you know, any of these other websites that have recipes for you. Challenge yourself, you know, it may, it may seem like a daunting task if you're somebody that doesn't cook to prep a week's worth of meals or four days worth of meals, but right. Try it. See what happens. What's the worst that can happen. You have some dry chicken for a couple of days burn something, throw it in the trash can, start over BFD. Yep. Okay, so we're on to movement, and this is actually something that I'm really excited about because I've been working on this seven-day checklist for years, and I've been asking a lot of people's opinions, and I've taken stuff off the list, and I've put stuff back on the list. Putting. I don't even know if that's a word. Putting stuff back on there. I think I got it. I'm really confident about what's on this list, and I'll just get into it. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to list them all off right now, and then I'm going to circle back and explain what each piece could be. I'm going to commit to this right now on recording. I will make a graphic for this yeah, specifically. Whether it goes on Instagram or Facebook, we'll find out. But I think something like this, to have a checklist in front of you yes. to be able to say, yes, I did this, yes, I did this, yes, I did this, will be invaluable. So I'm telling you people there will be a graphic. He's going to do it. All right, so... This is not in order. It's important to know that with a system like this, that if you have a seven-day checklist for movement, that you need to be able to personalize it and make it work for you. It's in order only because I'm speaking it in this order because it's the order that I have it in in my mind. So the first one is long and slow slash focused. And what that means is this is not a recovery piece. This is aerobic work. It's important for you guys to understand the difference between going out and going for a walk or a jog or a bike ride where you truly could just chat it up the whole time. And then one where you are in your aerobic system still, but you're tr there's a true effort there. It's this level of focus where you're not getting too high into anaerobic and you know your heart rate's going through the roof. Um, it's a sustainable pace, but you're, you know, you're trying. And, and that's the easiest, that's the easiest way I want it to be intuitive. It's important that it's intuitive to understand how your energy systems work. So long and slow slash focused is number one. Number two is short and fast. That's really simple. Um, simple, he says. Simple, I say. Painful. Simple and challenging. And what's awesome about this is if you eventually get into this style and we will eventually provide programming on our website, which is something I'm really looking forward to. We just want to make sure that we're set up to do it in a way that, you know, we're happy with. We're happy with the way that someone will go to the website. When you have friends who are good at the opposite stuff as you, that's when this gets fun because you go on that long and slow day and you're giving them tips and you're letting them know where you go in your minds that you can jog at a whatever eight minute mile pace for a certain time. And then that same person shows up at the track and you get to sprint, you know, for five seconds and you talk to them about what works for you and when you were slow and now you're fast and whatever. 
there's when you have that mix of people when you start to get your tribe set up for this checklist it's it's really fun so we have long and slow slash focused short and fast next we have squat you know what i'm gonna do what i said i'm gonna blaze through these and then i'm gonna circle back so we have long and slow slash focused short and fast squat we move on to the next day press we move on to the following day pull the day after that and again this could be in any order that you want recovery long and the final one on the list is play recover so let's circle back up to the top and talk a little bit more about what each of these things could be long and slow slash focused should be 20 to 60 minutes of hike walk bike run row ski and by ski i mean like cross-country skiing or a ski erg like you'll see in a bunch of gyms um some sort of activity some sort of constant steady state activity i give that 20 to 60 minute range because people should not start at 60 minutes they should start at 20 minutes with the goal of being 40 to 60 minutes that one day a week as you move forward eventually and again that is a true effort feel but sustainable you should be able to do that exact same pace the entire time and what you should not do on this day what you can do on your recovery day is just go right into it because then it's not going to be a sustained pace you're going to feel pretty good then you're not then you are again and that's not sustained that's kind of all over the map so a nice 15 to 20 minute warm-up of whatever you want that gets your blood boiling a little bit a little bit of stretching is going to make that so much easier um and it's gonna you know when something's easier it's easier to gain momentum if you hated every second of it because you didn't warm up probably not going to want to do it the following week you're probably going to try to find a way to avoid it or to go to another movement or whatever when you probably should be trying to you know get a little bit better at that short and fast is five to 90 second intervals of bike run rowing pushing a sled we could go back to the ski we could go to cross-country ski um this is probably the area where unless we're really just getting started with movement again after a long time where walking or hiking would sort of be off the list right um unless you know you can do those like speed walking like those crazy olympians that can walk faster than almost anyone i know can run a mile right um i mean if you're talking specifically about hiking too you can do something where you have like a slow pace and then you run up the hill for exactly. 10, 15 seconds. Yes. Stop slow pace. Yes. To kind of recover. And yeah. you could do it that way. So I guess a hike could still be in there. Yeah. If you did it. Absolutely. Strategically. Yes. If you did it strategically. And and to be honest, there are places where I've been that, you know, really stepping on a, on a really steep incline could be pretty close, especially for 90 seconds. Yeah. 90 yeah. seconds. That could be very similar to a load on your body as like a 400 meter run would be. Yeah, for sure. Um, this is a place where, um, you know, people are confused, but this is not a CrossFit podcast in any way, shape or form. This is a place where you could say, I'm going to go hop in, in an affiliate class where the workout is short and really hard or the, or, or they're doing the intervals already that we're talking about. Yeah. So short and fast, the amount of intervals and the time that you rest is based on your personal capacity. You want to be toast after this yep. completely wrecked and you're not going to be your actual time under tension is going to be very short, but it's important with this that you are ready for the next interval, right? You got to be able to come close, be in the neighborhood of repeating what you did before. Um, 
if it's a true, if it's closer to that five to 10 seconds, um, ATP regeneration is going to start around three minutes, or at least that's what they've found in certain research. Right. So the you key, might be the key looking, to this really is to get yourself back down to a place where absolutely. you can hop on that bike or hop on that hill and really push yes. to the same level that you started the at. The other end of the spectrum is you have to be focused. So that's where the hike version of what you talked about could be really important. You keep walking because you go talk to your training partner, you sort of get out of that mode right. and then the opposite happens. Right. You cool down too much yep. and then you're dealing with you're actually it's going to be harder to do. You're, you know, might cramp a little bit more. You might be more prone to injury. So you want to make sure that you're staying within that mindset somehow. Um, and there's a bunch of different ways to do that. And then how many rounds do you go? Well, if you are resting that three to five minutes, if it's something really short and really intense and it doesn't matter, you can't repeat it. That's it. Yeah. You've done what you need to do. You've completely spent that situation. As we move on to squatting, um, I have a list of examples here, but essentially what you need to think about is if you're using less weight, there should be more reps. And if you're using more weight, there should be less reps. So if I was to do something like a hundred air squats, there'd be two reasons for me to do this. And that this isn't a hundred consecutive air squats. If it doesn't need to be, it can be 10 by 10, it can be, you know, four by 25. Exactly. You can break it up in any way that you want. There'd be two reasons. First reason that I would do this would be for me personally, I lack in type one muscle fibers. Um, slow twitch is a real challenge for me. So if I went over and just planted my feet down and said, I'm going to do a hundred air squat quality squats without stopping, that would help me improve my muscle endurance. Another reason would be, I'm just getting started with this. Um, I'm just going to sit down to my couch and stand back up. And I'm going to intuitively choose my sets or my time frame by going just really slow straight through. Or I'm going to do, you know, 10 was pretty hard. I'm going to go take a break yep. and I'm going to do 10 more. Or 20 was pretty hard. And I'm going to go five sets at 20, whatever that is. I really like air squats too. As much as I love squatting heavy, uh, air squats are great, A, because you can do them anywhere. Yes. You don't have to be in a gym to do nope. them. You can be in a hotel room. You can, you can be, be in your living room. You can be sunshine. outside. Exactly. Yeah. But they're also super scalable. Like you could, we could walk out in the gym and do a hundred as fast as we could unbroken and it would be super challenging. Yeah, absolutely. Or, you know, if maybe you're not as experienced, do 10 or 15, it's challenging. You're breathing. You walk around the house for a little bit, take a break, take yep. a breather, get back to it. Absolutely. Yeah. So as we move down the list here, I've got a bunch of numbers, two by 20, three by 10, four by eight, five by five. These could all be sets of air squats, odd object holds. You could literally just hold on to something you have in your house or that's outside that weighs a little bit more. You could wear a weight vest. You could hold a kettlebell, a dumbbell. You could do a bunch of different variations of this. You could go to barbell. You could do front squats, overhead squats, back squats. And, you know, a two by 20 would be excruciating with not that much weight um, if you were yep. moving the way that you should. And again, if, if you're thinking about this and you're like, wow, I don't know if I'm capable of it, you can grab that dumbbell that's been hiding in your basement and do what we would call a box squat, but would just be sitting to a chair and standing up. If you did two by 20 with that, you're making progress. And essentially, if you get to a point where that's too easy, you go buy yourself another dumbbell. You take the other dumbbell that's gathering dust that's a little bit heavier in your basement. You go, I guarantee every person listening to this podcast, if they went on Facebook or if they texted 
all of their relatives and said, does anybody have any dumbbells or kettlebells I don't use? They probably get a hundred responses like, yeah, my basement's got all kinds of cool exercise equipment in it that I don't use. And obviously we would say, encourage them to join you. But if they don't want to take their exercise equipment. And as we move down this list again, two by 20, three by 10, four by eight, five by five, these are just all areas where as we get more comfortable with the movement, we don't have to move away from box squat. We can stay with a box squat or we can move on to, okay, I feel pretty comfortable squatting somewhere near parallel or below parallel. We can start to add weight. We can start to move through these things with a little bit more um, intensity, but essentially we're looking to squat once a week. And if you get to a point where you're either squatting heavy once a week or you're cruising through some air squats once a week, you are going to be healthier than 99% of the population. You're going to live longer. Yep. You're going to look better. You're going to feel better. Um, it's as close to as good as it gets um, in terms of any exercise. They say also, aside from like longevity of life, leg strength also correlates to like mental clarity. Yes. For whatever reason, whether it's lymphatic system or whatever, whatever mechanism is down there. So... I can think of about 10 reasons why that would be the case, but yes, it's, you're the science person. (laughs) It's, it's just intuitive to me that if your body felt better and you were more capable of doing certain things that mentally you'd be in a better place, whether that's mental acuity or just confidence. Yeah. Something in, in that regard. Moving on, we are now at press. Press can be push ups, handstands. Um, and when I say push up, that can be a push up against the wall. And when I say handstands, that could be something where you are just trying to, you know, maybe put your foot on a box or a couch or something like that and be a little bit inverted. There's always a scale for this. Everyone can walk over to a wall and put their hands on it and move back and forth. Um, how much of an angle your legs are at will change things. Whether you're doing knee push ups will change things, but push-ups, handstands, pressing in any form, uh, bench press in any form, weighted, unweighted, barbells, dumbbells, kettlebells, odd objects. We can always find something to press. Everyone can go out and buy a one gallon jug of water and do presses with it. Like this is how bare bones we can go and how easy we can make it to be the healthiest version of ourselves that we can be. Once again, less weight, more reps, more weight, less reps. If you're into strength accumulation, if that's your thing, um, and you want to go heavy three to five sets of three to five reps is as safe as it gets. It's what the Russians say. They're still stronger than all of us. Um, they have some, some supplements that we're not advocating, but they also literally put people through like human testing on this stuff and found that three to five sets of three to five reps is what works when you start to go heavy. So don't overthink it. Three by three, three by four, three by five, four by three, four, you know, we can move, we can go on and on with that. Three to five sets, three to five reps, go heavy, use some decent form. You'll get stronger. As we move on to pull, this is going to be the first one where it's sort of a little bit more choose your own adventure, pull-ups, ring rows, TRX rows, but also a deadlift. So if you are really into, again, that strength accumulation, you might say, I do want to pull heavy once a week. I do want to do deadlifts once a week. If you are more into the longevity piece, you just want to feel a little bit better. You might want to alternate weeks of pull-ups or rows or TRX or whatever with an actual pulling from the floor. 
any one of these things, if you get it in once a week is awesome. And, you know, I'm going to keep repeating myself, weighted, unweighted, barbells, dumbbells, kettlebells, auto objects, that TRX system can hook on to just about anything. Um, when we're doing ring rows or TRX rows, you might say, oh, I'm too strong for that. We'll try to change the angle or try to add weight and you will not feel that way anymore. If you yeah. do it correctly, they're very challenging. Yeah. When you're laying parallel doing ring rows and stuff, especially yeah. if you, you're trying to keep that plank, you're not dropping Absolutely. your butt. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're a little bit lighter, um, you just have to shift it in the other direction. You have to put yourself in a scenario where, you know, you feel similar to someone like Tedderai who's, you know, in that <laughs> land of 200 pounds. Um, if you throw a weight plate on that midline and then try to squeeze your glutes and hold that straight line, that's, that's what we're talking about. Yeah. So if you're a little bit lighter and you can cruise through lows, you would do that. You would slow the movement down, make sure that there's true muscle contraction, all of those pieces. We can add weight to the pull-ups there's so many variations. There's chin-ups, there's mixed grip, there's, you know, you go into certain gyms and they've got all those crazy things that you can hold on to. There's, you know, the kind of the rock climbing setup where they do the, the fingertip type, type work. So plenty of places that you can go. And once again, less weight, more reps, more weight, less reps, three to five sets of three to five reps. If you want to go heavy, we are now into our recovery phase. And again, this can mix in anywhere. As you go through your weeks, you're like, man, I'm kind of beat up. That's the intuitive piece. That's our personalization. Um, the first day of that is going to be a long recovery, 40 minutes or more of slow conversational pace movement. Extra credit here would be to do this outside of the gym, two birds, one stone. I am going to get outside and get some fresh air, do my thing. But what we don't want here, we want to get blood to everything we want to flush that lymphatic system so that we're doing well the next day. But if we create waste, we're flushing it and then bringing it right back. So conversational pace, um, you should not feel, well, I shouldn't say this because if you're sore and you're walking, you're going to feel it a little bit, but you should not feel this like intense muscle contraction unless you're super sore. Um, and, and, and it's actually more important for you to do it if you're super sore. Um, but you should really be able to just hold a conversation while you're doing it. You should not feel out of breath at any point. And if you're on your own and you're, you know, you catch yourself breathing super heavy, just, just dial it back a little bit. The last piece here is play recovery. This one is so important for physical and mental well-being. Get out of the gym and do your thing, whatever your thing is. And that could be a sport that's a little bit more intense, but that's, that's, that's a mental break right there for you. If you are into, you know, if you play in men's league, whatever, baseball, soccer, basketball, if you like to go to the park and play spike ball, if you like to cross country ski, if you like to snowboard, if you like to ski, if you like to do any of these things, got to get out of the gym and do your thing. And, you know, if you're really beat up, try to make sure that it is a little bit more in that recovery mode, but there's something about holding on to that that piece of the best part of everyone's childhood where those games that you'd play with your friends, you know, pick up sports or tag or capture the flag or frisbee or, you know, there's there's a million different things holding on to that. That is not some sort of mandatory thing for a child that's not allowed for adults. It's really good for you. It's, you know, there, there's a lot of research and studies attached to adults playing and sort of refining, you know, purpose in life as opposed to it's just, I wake up, I make the money 
and I go to bed and this is boring. Stuck in that loop is terrible. It is. So play recovery, I think, is so important to be on this list. Um, I know that that's a lot at once. Ted's going to make it easier on you guys with the graphic. Um, make it simple for yourself. Do not think about this in picture some like 350 pound man who's back squatting a million plates, like sit down to your couch and stand back up. That's the end of the spectrum that I'm thinking of. And I know for a fact that I could make 150 box squats painful. Oh yeah. Or at least beneficial. Um, so do not make this complicated. It's not complicated. And you know, if we go back to that piece of like the pull day, if it's deadlift, you could literally, I mean, safety first here, ladies and gentlemen, but you could deadlift a kid like as like you're playing around for, you know, 50 reps. Like they don't know you're counting, but you're counting in your head. <laughs> you're like, all right, we're going to play this game where I throw you up in the air or into the pool or whatever it is a bunch of times. We can make this very simple and still extremely beneficial. So the goal here with this is 14 consecutive days of this. So you run through that seven day checklist twice. So the challenge is get that list up on your wall, check one off a day as you go through, put another version, you know, print out a second page, cover the first one, you know, maybe try to change it up or maybe you really liked one of the things and you found a place where you can maybe explore your fitness a little bit more, do that for that second time. But we're going two weeks, two run-throughs of the seven-day checklist. Last but not least today, we are obviously here to uh, make sure that you guys are personalizing this stuff. And the way that we do that, the way that we make sure that it works for you is with a true test and retest experiment with each of these pieces. The first one is the tribes piece, and we are going to go with a daily journal for subjective well-being. And... What's awesome about this is the human mind is essentially like, if you decide you're doing better, you actually are. Um, you're not tricking yourself. You're not fooling yourself. If you take responsibility for your thoughts and your actions and your emotions, you can realize that you can choose how you feel a lot of the time. So what we're going to do is we're going to have a, a, a journal entry, all you need probably is just, you know, 14 days. Um, we can use any scale that we want. You can put it on a one to 10 the day before you start subjective well-being for that day. And then each day you move through, give yourself a score. You can go smiley, you know, some of the journals that are out there right now do smiley face, flat line, frowny face. There's thumbs up, thumbs down. There's zero through 10. There's one through five. There's one star, two star, three star. That part does not matter, but put it on a scale. How are you doing each day and see how many consecutive days we can string together of us doing better with that tribes piece being in there with that 14 consecutive days of walking outside with someone that you enjoy. And I think it's really important to not do it right after you walk. There's a pretty good chance it's going to be a smiley face. A little bias if it's you do it right there. Exactly. Yeah. So put, try to put that towards the end of the day. It can be part of, you know, we talk about that list of 10 things to get them out of your head. At the bottom of that list, you could put your subjective well-being there. 
with the rest piece, the easiest way to see if we are truly getting through those sleep cycles is going to be HRV, heart rate variability. Um, you would think intuitively that your heartbeat being exactly the same would be good, but that's actually a measure of we don't have a good balance between our low frequency and high frequency heartbeat, which is parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system, which is in layman's terms that rest and digest and that fight or flight system. It's supposed to be a balance of that. Um, think about it as if you were all rest and digest, you'd just be like, <laughs> that kind of thing. Whereas if you were all fight or flight, you'd be the person, you know, grinding their teeth all day, you know, kind of dealing with that. So, um, HRV, there's multiple ways to do this. A lot of people that listen to this podcast, that listen to our other podcasts have the whoop. The whoop is going to tell you what your HRV is. Um, a more affordable version of figuring this out would be to get a heart rate monitor, Bluetooth heart rate monitor on Amazon that you know that can con connect with your phone, make sure that it has connectivity. And then all you have to do is download one of the dozens of HRV apps. And what that's going to do is you're going to be able to wake up in the morning. It's going to ask you to lay still for like three two or three minutes, and it's going to tell you what your score is the next day. That will be where we want to go with this in terms of measuring how we're doing. And all we're going to do is just that HRV scores we go through. You have to understand though, that there's a multitude of factors that go into that HRV. So you want to look at it with a little bit more of a macro view, not like your final day was your final day, your best day or something like that, because you might've done like a really hard workout or something. And that be, would be where that is. We would want to see an upward trend essentially over the course of the 14 days. The next one we would actually need, um, for, for the mindfulness, we would actually need a heart rate monitor strap like we just talked about, but you'd have to download one of the apps, um, I know that Ben Greenfield Fitness has one. I know that Bulletproof has one. And I know the company that makes it for them is um, Sweetbeat. So you can download any of these and you can go into a portion of when it's doing a live reading of your HRV and it's going to tell you your low frequency and your high frequency. And essentially what you want to do is you want to do this. You want to look at your low frequency versus high frequency and you want to do the breathing exercise and then you want to look at it after. And it's really cool. It'll literally tell you on your phone, whether you're in rest and digest or fight or flight, what's going up and what's going down. What balance of this system do you have there? And you'll notice that you do want a little bit more of a balance for your HRV, but in that moment, you'll want that rest and digest a little bit more. And it's really cool to see your autonomic nervous system working in real time live on your phone. What you don't want to do, though, is stare at your phone while you're doing it. Could stress you out a little bit. We do want to, in that exercise, have the eyes closed, make sure that we're you know, really in that. But we want to check when we come out the other side. And I find that in any of these things, to make sure that we're truly doing test retest is that we're doing it on a daily basis. So you got your little piece of paper. It's day three, you know, breathing exercise number two. Here was my low frequency and high frequency on the beginning, and here it was on the other side. And it's, it's just really cool to see. Um, so that would be the way to test retest on the mindfulness, the fuel one. Um, there are a bunch of different ways, subjective well-being. Did I learn how to cook? Did I learn how to do this, do that? But at the end of the day, we are really interested in eating those eating in that style because of the micronutrient profile. 
so blood work would be something where test retests would be really important. And I know that that would take a little bit more time and money to get into, um, but you could choose a smaller panel, a more affordable panel, and just see what happens with that. Or you could choose something that applies a little bit more to your health. Or if money's not an issue, you could, you know, order a full one online or go see a functional medicine practitioner and get the whole thing done and work through that. Um, and it's really cool to know that two weeks of eating real food could actually make a change in your health. That'd be really exciting. Yeah. The movement one is as simple as it gets, and it's actually how you make progress in any fitness enterprise, any style of you know exercise that you do, and that's what we call linear progression. So that's, I walked for 20 minutes to start out my long slow, and I made it you know, 1.06 miles. And I walked for 20 minutes again, and I made it 1.22 miles. And we, it's just that quote that I'll say till the end of time, what gets measured gets managed. Track what you're doing and try to improve on it in these baby steps. And those incremental changes are so powerful because they add up. You know, you make it two times through and you've added five pounds to a lift or you've taken 10 seconds off your hundred air squats. Um, that's how we know, and that's how we get momentum. And that's how we convince ourselves to continue on this path. We have proof it's sitting right in front of us. It's written down on a piece of paper. I improved. I've only been doing this for two weeks and I've improved. That's awesome. What would happen if I did it for good? Right. Six months, a year. What if this would just was what I did? What if I knocked out all seven of these things on a regular basis? You know, whatever, 40 some weeks out of the year, you'd be able to make a profound change in each and every single category, regardless of whether you're starting with a high fitness level, no fitness level, anywhere in between, you're going to be able to make a lot of changes through this stuff. So all I mean by linear progression is just having a journal of your results. And you can decide intuitively what are those results? Is it more reps? Is it a longer distance? Did you Were you able to sustain a certain pace for a longer time? Um, this is another area where we dog on the technology a lot, but it affords us a lot of opportunities to measure what we're doing and prove to ourselves that we're doing better. So this is a place where you can use all these different, you know, forms of technology to actually get yourself through this and say, I did better. And if you do better, a little bit better each time, that's what we're looking for. Yep. Progress. So we've, we've made it all the way through. We've got these little two week challenges here. Um, the personalization is essentially just making sure that you're measuring, um, those challenges in a very specific way. Um, once again, you know, circling back to the beginning, it's, it's up to you, which one you choose. It's up to you. If you do all of them, one of them, two of them, whether you do a couple at a time, um, what I don't want is that true new year, new me feel where it's, I'm going to change all of this right now at once. I'm going to go all in on everything. I'm going to crush this. And then at the end of the two weeks, you're really burnt out. If you know you're that kind of person, and I've been there for sure, um, maybe give yourself a little bit more of a break. Maybe you know think about this momentum piece and say, I'm going to get myself rolling first. I get myself a little bit of momentum when maybe I'm going to choose one that I struggle with, or maybe I'm going to choose one that I'm good at because I want the momentum. I want the confidence to cruise into that next piece. Um, and this is my recommendation for, um, a way of thinking when you feel like you need to make a change and whether that's, you know, social norms wanting you to make the change like a new year 
or you wake up one morning and you're like, I feel like crap again and I don't want to anymore. Like we all have those periods of times in our life where that happens. So whether it's, you know, a gym challenge or, you know, your friends want you to join something, whatever it is, try to carry this mindset into it because we are very interested in being pretty damn good at these categories for the foreseeable future for as long as we can. And if we bite off more than we can chew, it's just not going to happen. We've all tried it. We've all been there. We all know what that's like. So this is our suggestion for trying to make these changes and have them actually be sustainable. As always, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on misfitproject.com, at the Misfit Project, on Instagram. At the Misfit.project. At the Misfit.project. Come on, man. Wrong with me today at the misfit.project on Instagram. We got those morning meditations. We have the notifications of um, when podcasts are going to be up. We would love to have you guys tag us so that we can repost and show you what's going on. I think that these challenges will afford for you know me to show what I'm doing a little bit more, for people to show me. Um, I, I think this could be a really exciting time for interaction and. We are still small enough as a, as a project, as a podcast, where we can respond to messages and emails and all that good stuff. So feel free to shoot us an email, info at misfitproject.com. Is that correct, Ted? Yes, I get that yes one that's right. correct. Um, that or you can message us on Instagram. Absolutely. Um, so I've said it before. It's, it gives us fuel and motivation and momentum, all these things that we talk about. Um, you guys are actually going to be able to pull that off for us. You're going to give us the motivation to dig into new topics. Um, if you have suggestions for new topics, um, we're actually really hoping that the next episode of this podcast will be our first interview. We have a really good idea for that first interview, so that should be really fun. Um, and then the, the the part of the podcast that I don't like, but I say I have to say it every time, the only way for us to get more... Um, exposure on iTunes is those five-star reviews. So if you feel like we deserve a five-star review, it would be really cool if you guys could leave one. Um, we go through and we read them. We really appreciate this stuff that you guys have had to say. Um, and eventually we'll, you know, be able to throw some prizes out and stuff like that for, for little pieces. So, um, we really appreciate you guys listening. Uh, hope that this affords you some momentum going into 2018. Hopefully you're already working on some of these things. Hopefully it helps you improve, um, anything else, Ted? No, here's to a big year. Hell yeah. See you guys next time. Later.